0: Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
1: They expect me to walk away from Luton with nothing. I'll make very sure there's nothing to walk away from.
3: Hello and welcome to the Oak Road Hatter podcast. I'm Billy Mully. today, joined by Finley Cannon. Following what was an epic week of Premier League football for 4-4 town, we competed very, very well. But at the end of the day, it was two defeats. The second one coming yesterday as Man City walked away with a 2-1 victory. Finn, how are you getting on?
4: Yeah, I'm good. It's, yeah, it's a strange week to come from being disappointed from losing against Arsenal and Man City so it's a real I mean it's a good time to be a Luton fan but at the same time it's a real strange feeling
3: It is a really strange feeling because I think going into both games there was you know an expectation that we could be turned over these are two of the best teams in the world we're talking about but also we, we went into to both games with a glimmer of hope I think we've seen enough this season as well to, to warrant that to go into these games actually believing that we can upset the Giants and you know uh, in both games there was a time well there was times where we were leading in both games uh, but but unfortunately it wasn't to be. We'll start at the very start Finn with a little bit of too good too bad um of course too good too bad our section where we ask you the supporters to get in contact to show us um maybe some bits that we missed some bits that you consider to be the positives and negatives from the game starting with fraser clark on twitter his first good element was we won one up against one of the world's leading and most expensive teams with 30 minutes to go it was it was um very very tense Uh, that sort of second 45 minutes seemed to go on a very very long time um And his second element uh, that was good 11 man in the matches who showed great team spirit as ever, never giving up. We'll go on to the two bad elements. Nakamba is out for Bournemouth. Of course, Nakamba picked up his fifth yellow card of the season, meaning that he will miss the game at Bournemouth on Saturday. And the second bad element, even the smallest of errors got punished. But we are in the Premier League here, which. You know, I guess he answers it within that own within his own point there. Being in the Premier League, there's such a small margin for error, and I think we're we're seeing that every mistake at the moment seems to be getting punished. Um, I think both goals they're they're preventable. Um, a couple of defensive errors in there, Finn, but but I think well, it, it's all part of the adjustment process to the Premier League making these mistakes and then being punished. Um, But it does seem that, that we are on the wrong end of that quite often.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, against Man City, you always expect any sort of minor lapse in judgment or slight mistake, they'll punish it. They can beat probably any team in world football at the moment. On their day, they're pretty unstoppable. So for us to really hold our own against them as well and go one up in the first place was more impressive than anything and really just show what we're all about and what the club's about and the celebrations as well. I don't think you'll see that from many grounds you go to when a team goes 1-0 up, just celebrated like it's a winning goal late on and that's every week at Luton as well. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Any small lapse in judgment or mistake is definitely going to be punished in the Premier League. It's just the way the division is. You don't have that time on the ball that you might get in the Championship.
3: And I think for me as well, when looking at some of the mistakes that have been made, I, I I sort of I think Luton fans are caught in two minds. Um, when you see the mistakes in isolation, if you just watch the highlights, for example, um it looks it looks I think a lot worse. But I think when you consider how organized, how structured we are for ninety minutes, I, I don't know, I, I sort of accept that there's gonna be some mistakes within that because we are so organised, we're so keen on detail from a defensive standpoint that that Naturally, these mistakes are going to happen. I don't know if you're the same.
4: No, I agree. And like I mentioned before, that when you've constantly got that pressure coming at you again and again and again, and you're having to remain so defensively resolute constantly, there's always going to be that lapse in judgment. You can't stay 100% focused for all that time, plus the time that's added on. When you're sat behind the ball, desperately trying to stay on these players that are, in City's case, moving around constantly all over the pitch, they've got such a fluid attack. So it's really a difficult one to, I guess, judge against.
3: We'll move on to the second one of the day. We've got LTFC Dave with his good parts being Barkley again and didn't disgrace ourselves versus the best side in Europe. Bad, ultimately nothing to show for a good display, which is is something that we can say on multiple occasions this season. Um I guess it brings up the point that we are putting in very good performances without getting anything out of them. Um, you know, either how long can that continue? Surely, good performances will get rewarded in the, in the sort of the, the near future. But also, we're not taking advantage of our good performances if that makes sense. Um, and sorry, second bad element: fairly sloppy goals to concede again. Which yeah, we, we sort of touched on on the defensive errors. Move on to Paul Wright. Good was the team performance generally, which I think we can both agree on. And um as it seems to be every week, uh Barclay's name is mentioned as as Paul's second one. Bad, mccamber's booking, and then V A R, which um is quite a debatable one because I think being in the ground, um I think it's only natural that when you're in the ground you, you, you tend to think the ref's against you. Um both goals from what from where I was sat looked like they could be um VR checks. But, but I think watching them both back, uh, you know, I agree. Both goals definitely should have stood. Um but I think it's more the Premier League smartness from, from Manchester City, winning those fouls and You know we're an aggressive team, and I think sometimes in the championship you get away with a bit of over aggression. Um, Yeah, we're we're not really getting away with it in the Premier League, and and players like Jack Grealish, Bernardo Silva, Phil Foden are are very intelligent. They know when contact comes to go down, and and it always seems to be to be um, free kicks. Which yeah, I think it's a little bit of cuteness and learning the premier league culture and something that yeah it's, it's frustrating for us fans to see but at the same time it's just part of how the how the premier league runs um last one from mad hatter Um he says that his phone exploded when luton went one up um and that we went toe to toe with the you know world champions the, the champions of europe probably Um, probably no real debate that they are the best team in Europe I know they haven't fully been firing over the last few weeks but I think we can agree that they are an unbelievable team and probably the best in the world Um, in terms of his two bad elements we have need less punchy more box focus but doing well Um, and the second bad element not getting a draw at best I think again um, goes to the point we made about putting in a decent performances and not getting rewarded for it we'll go on to our own analysis of the game Finn and then looking at the start looking at the team that that Rob Edwards sent out to battle no Ogbené no Osho in the squad and it it just is so disappointing that we that that every week there just seems to be a couple of new injury concerns um, to, to key individuals you think of how um, impressive osho has been of late getting over his injury and, and putting in real solid performances in the, in that uh, back three of has been sensational for us as well just really disappointing that it, it seems to be unachievable getting a, a full squad together and, and rob edwards having you know those those real difficult dilemmas
4: yeah i agree completely it's when you i guess it's from the pressure of constantly defending and chasing the ball, you're going to get those injuries from just overworking yourself. Uh, Whereas we're not playing as many games as we were playing in the championship. And for most of our players, they were playing in the championship or league one last season, but the intensity of the games is probably much higher in the premier league. So you're really just having to stay constantly alert and constantly moving when you're, especially with the lack of possession we have. Um, But yeah, it's really frustrating when, you get two players back and then you lose another one or you get one player back and then you get two players pick up a knock in the game and go off. And it just feels like it's never-ending. But I guess it's not just Luton at the moment that are having those problems. You look around the league, there's teams all over the league that are absolutely riddled of injuries. Look at the team Newcastle are putting out. They can't make any changes because all of the players they've got are the players they have available, plus a couple on the bench. They're going to bring in young players. The same with Tottenham losing... Madison, Van Der Ven at the same time. Just all over the league, it's pretty relentless at the moment. The injuries are really stacking up. So whilst it's really, really frustrating as a Luton fan to lose these players, we can't just blame results on injuries and we have to look at what we've got in front of us and the team we've got available to us. And I think all the players that came in on Sunday for the game were really, they played well as well. The players that haven't had so many opportunities in recent weeks, the likes of Ryan Giles, really did put in a shift and Gave everything for the shirt, which is all you can ex- all you can hope for and all you can expect as a Luton fan.
3: And I think what you mentioned there, yeah, um, squad depth this season is is really impressive. Considering we're we're playing at a high level, considering we didn't, you know, um, spend as much as teams that are around us spend as much as as any team in this division uh, to to have real competition for places, even when injuries are are a real concern has to be has to be seen as a positive and and you know you, you think of the back line that's probably the best example where we have been sort of riddled with injuries you think of osho burke um anderson just getting back to fitness lockyer you know hasn't had a clean run bell uh, had his time on the sidelines you, you, you go through all of them bar bar mengi who even mengi might have had a spell on the sidelines as well but it's been very difficult to get a settled back line, and I know there have been defensive errors, but I think largely you can you can look at every defender and and say they've done a f- reasonable job in in that back line, considering you know the the up to quality in the Premier League. We'll go on to the game itself, and I don't know about you, Finn, but I thought we were in for a very very long afternoon when when Phil Foden had that opportunity. They. Um, and, and sorry Andrus Townsend spoke about it today on talk sport um how they pressed and, and pressed well, but Manchester city still managed to to play out from the press, create a chance and he said that right from that very moment he thought it was going to be a very long afternoon but but i I guess it didn't turn out that way but what were your thoughts after you know a, a an opening five minutes where we didn't really see much of the ball and, and had to do a lot of chasing?
4: I mean, ahead of the game, most of us knew we wouldn't see much of the ball, I think. I think any team that plays Man City, bar a couple of teams, really doesn't expect to see much of the ball. And we haven't had much of the ball in a lot of the games we've played. So I guess we were prepared for it. But you did see how, I guess, efficient they are with it as soon as the game started. Moving the ball around every single player, constantly keeping it moving and having the Luton players having to follow them all around the pitch. And it is just, yeah, it's relentless passing. And they do tend to pass teams to death. And that's really what they do under Pep. Um, and when Foden went in with that opportunity early on, it was a real, I mean, it was a bit of a worry. And then when it, he didn't score it as well, I mean, that was the relief that I felt. And I felt that lifted the crowd really as well. Um, that re- I think they really needed that because as I mentioned previously, there was a, it was a slightly odd atmosphere ahead of the game. It was, everyone was very excited about the game, but it didn't really, reflect what we had against Arsenal, where it was really relentless from the stands as well. So it did need something to really lift the crowd up. And I think that really did help, to be honest. But yeah, especially when you... But looking at the Man City team ahead of the game, even with no Haaland in it, you looked at that team and you thought, this is a really, really good team. And that's what everyone expected as well. When you've got a World Cup winner up front and Julian Alvarez, and he's not even their first choice striker. I mean, it says everything. And then, what, £100 million Jack Grealish playing as well when our top our most expensive player is what Giles and Chong at 5 million
3: just speak volumes don't it of, of the disparities for just throughout this division um i i think going back to that point i made at the start where where we sort of pressed as effectively as we could and they still played it round us um there wasn't too many opportunities that they they managed to carve out from that throughout the rest of the game. I don't think, I can't really think of a well, many chances where, where they played right through us. I think from that point, we pressed very, very effectively, choosing the right moments to go, choosing the right uh, moments to stay. I think someone like Andros Townsend is massively key for that. And I think you can see him calling triggers so often. It's usually him that, that calls it at a bio as well. But we've grown this reputation I think at the start of the season But by being, I say start of the season but you probably go beyond that, you probably go into the majority of years that we're under Nathan Jones' stewardship but out of possession we're very effective and, and yesterday is probably the biggest test that we'll ever face in terms of questions a team asks of you out of possession and I think for the most part you have to say that that we passed, passed that test with flying colours
4: Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think out of possession, we have been, I've been pretty good all season. It's occasional laps, as we previously mentioned. But, yeah, against Man City, you're not going to have much of the ball. And we really did well compared to the way a lot of other teams in our position have done against Man City in the past. Out of possession, you get run around ragged. But Luton are happy not having possession. And we've, had it for, we've been like it for years. Even when we were competing in the Championship, we didn't really want the ball that much. We were happy to sit back and wait for teams to come to us. So I guess it's sort of not the perfect way for us to be playing, but against Man City, we knew we wouldn't have much of the ball, so we were ready for what was coming at us. So we, yeah, and also, as you mentioned before, Townsend triggering that press. You can see it every time he started, he's been the one to just make that first move and everyone follows with him. It's not just one player pressing on their own, it's a group pressing, the front three pressing together and pinning players into corners. Just the problem against Man City, when you've got all 11 players on the pitch that can play a pass anywhere on the pitch as well, when you've got Edison pinging balls all over the place. It's a really difficult one to counter.
3: Usually, and, and this probably applies to all levels, but there'll be one player or a certain pattern or sort of a certain area of the ball where Rob Edwards would be saying, OK, when so-and-so receives the ball on their right foot, that's when we go. But you just can't, it, it, with City, you just can't find a single player that, that might be uh, prone to giving the ball away or, or in every position, world-class technical ability. Um, and, and I think that's what makes us as Luton fans proud with what we saw yesterday, is that we're, we appreciate how good of a team Manchester City are. Um, we, we've seen them on the TV for years, completely dominate the best of the best. Um, and, and then, you know, we, we caused as many problems as, as many of the top teams do against them. So I think that's one, part, one element of the performance that, that we can be really, really proud of. Something, something else that we could be really proud of was that first goal. Uh, Elijah had a bio scoring right on half time. I said to you before we started recording, uh, we've had a lot of positivity and joy over the last, you know, however many years. You know, you think back to Wembley. You think about getting to Wembley, um, just our general rise. But that Adebayo goal was the most I've celebrated a goal in. In I don't know, probably, probably ever. It was a little bit of the unexpectedness that that probably caught me by yeah, all caught me by surprise. But also the magnitude of the goal, the timing of it, um, everything was just perfect with that. And and we went into the break leading the well, current champions that was a special moment.
4: Yeah, it was I mean it was really quite amazing as well. And I think for anyone who wasn't at the game whilst we were at the game the it was absolutely amazing to be at the stadium watching it. Even looking on social media you could see people going absolutely crazy. They were just in disbelief that Luton had gone 1-0 up against Man City. But the goal itself was absolutely brilliant. The way Ross Barkley beat was it four men in midfield, four of the best players in world football in midfield, skinned them as if they weren't there, including Rodri. Um, Brought the ball out wide to Doherty who then found Townsend and that cross from Townsend could not have been better better placed. And then Adebayo against Diaz, he just rose and it was like, you know, when it was there to compete with him, he was never going to lose that header. But yeah, as you mentioned, the way we celebrate that inside the stadium, the whole stadium just went absolutely crazy. And I think the timing of that really helped with a lot of people had been getting up to go in for their half-time pint or hot drink or food. So there were people all in the gangways as well. So they weren't just sat down in their seat waiting to celebrate. There were people absolutely everywhere celebrating, just going absolutely crazy. And I just think that added to the celebrations at that moment.
3: And what's beautiful about it as well, it wasn't just um, it wasn't just in the ground that people were celebrating. It wasn't even just Luton fans celebrating. We had you know the teams competing for the title. We had probably Arsenal fans, uh, Villa fans after recent weeks, Spurs fans all. Um, you know supporting us and wanting us to get a result. So I think that was a probably a moment as well where down the pubs in in you know Liverpool in London wherever it was it was a goal that was probably widely celebrated. Went into half time one 0 and you still with, with Manchester City you you cannot rest. You can't have um time to reflect, no real breathing space. Um and I guess for the first fifteen minutes we defended we defended well and then two very um two moments where concentration lapsed a little bit and we offered them not just a way back into the game but we offered them the opportunity to go ahead and they took them both um you know uh, as much as we speak about manchester city's quality you know they weren't the best goals in the world you do have to to um blame defensive errors as to why we let them back in the game and let them ahead. What did you make of the goals? And and I guess, what did you make of how it dampened the atmosphere?
4: So you knew that going into half-time, Pep would fire a rocket up them. He would not be having them be 1-0 down against Luton for long. And we knew we'd be in for a lot of pressure in the second half from the off. And that was always going to be the case. And that's exactly what happened. Um, The first goal, whilst it wasn't, the actual build-up was not the best from Luton. The finish itself from Bernardo Silva was absolutely brilliant. The way he curled it into the bottom corner and beating Kaminsky. I mean, there's not many players. Was it on his weak foot as well? I can't remember if it was on his weak foot or not. He took it with his left foot, uh, but he curled it properly. There was a few players in the box to curl it around as well. So the quality of that goal, the actual finish was really good. But yeah, the build-up was quite frustrating not being able to get the ball away once again. And then the second goal, it came from, obviously, a Bell mistake. And as much as I love Amari Bell, he really did struggle in that moment.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think he has, there has been a few moments with Amari Bell that he's, he's struggled. Um, I think large parts of the game, he, he performed really well. He brought the ball out very well. Um, but yeah, that, that was a moment where he did really struggle. I just want to go through a couple of player performances and... and Typically, this is where I I mention the name Ross Barkley, but I think we'll leave that later because we got a poll coming that that um, speaks about Barkley a little bit more. But but one player I wanted to highlight, Ryan Giles, uh, somewhat of a surprise inclusion for for some, but but I guess with knowing Cabore was out, there was always a, a fairly high chance that he'd start this game. But for a player who's evidently been low on confidence in in sort of his early luton town career it was good to to see him play and and you know return a, a decent performance against as we keep mentioning the the best team in the world
4: yeah i thought he looked good i did think he looked really composed in possession he knew when to press and he knew when to hold off as well on the man who was marking wherever they were on the pitch and he did follow that player across the pitch every single time um, but yeah, it was when he was in the build-up play as well, when we were trying to bring the ball out of defence, he was really linking up well on that left-hand side and making sure he was an option and moving the ball quickly. He didn't look like he'd not been playing much at all. He looked really up to speed. And I think that's a credit to both him and to Rob Edwards for making, him, making sure he was really ready to be playing as well. And people have criticised him in quite large parts when he has played on a few occasions. But I think he deserved all the praise he got in that game. Yeah, it was a weird one for me because I agree with
3: you I think defensively um and there was a lot of questions about him defensively in the early stages of the season. I think defensively and in possession in the build up he was he was really good and it was great to see. Um obviously a player I mentioned before was low on confidence. I still think what the, the key reason we signed him was the delivery um, the ability he can bring in the final third, and I still think that's lacking. And I think that was evidence in a couple of occasions um, yesterday. But it was great to see him return a, a good performance, and that will no doubt do do wonders for for his confidence. And, and hopefully, we start get to 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 really see the best of Ryan Giles. Um, you, you know, he started the season off had those difficulties and, and really hadn't had too much of an opportunity since then to to prove himself. But I think that again, playing against Man City, um, regardless of who you are, it's going to be a tough game. And I think for, for him to return a display like that has to be seen as a massive positive. Another player I want to mention, Jacob Brown. Um, again, he's had a similar kind of thing. Uh, I think he started the season really well um and then had a little bit of dip in form, struggled in front of goal. But I think the last few games he's been he's been absolutely fantastic and I do not see many players give Carl Walker a difficult game. Um but but Jacob Brown through all of his athleticism and and cuteness on the ball as well, which I hadn't really seen too much of him. He he was um a lot more effective in possession and I thought it was a really, really good display from him and and you know, I'm very, very excited when it comes to our attacking options. You think when Bené's back fit, um, Brown playing at a very high level at the moment, um, Chong as well off the bench has is, is been really good in, in some games. Um, but yeah, just circling back to, to Jacob Brown, how how would you assess his performance?
4: Yeah, I did think he played really well, especially defensively as well, which is obviously probably not what people expect from him. He was really putting in a shift again. And keeping up with Walker every time Walker came forward, which keeping up with Kyle Walker is not easy for anyone. So I think he did well. He did have a slight moment where he could have got a red card where he did go slightly two-footed into a tackle. And that was a bit worrying. And I did think maybe he'd get subbed at that point just to make sure that the ref didn't get an opportunity to give him that yellow card or that red card another opportunity. But generally, I think he did play really well. And he has done in recent weeks. He's popped up with a, a couple of goals and it's really mattered or when we've really needed someone to come into the game and score. And then you mentioned earlier in the season when he wasn't really in form, he was still putting in a shift. I don't think anyone can criticise the way he's been playing and how hard he works. It was just, yeah, in front of goal, he was just missing the target every so often, especially with some headers as well in some big moments. He really could have scored a couple of headers against different teams. So maybe if that's something he needs to work on, so be it. But yeah, going forward... He really offers something and every player we've got in that front line offers something different. So we can really bring in a variety of players to, I guess, test the opposition we're playing against and we can make those changes. So they're constantly on their toes and having to defend against different options.
3: We'll head into a short break, but when we're back, we'll go through the three polls of the week.
0: There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We are back for part two
3: of today's episode following Luton's 2-1 defeat to Manchester City. It's a result that leaves the Hatters nine points from 16 games, but far far more optimistic than that, us Luton fans, because what we've seen, we can we can have a lot of positivity about. We're going to head into the polls and the first one we have put out today was what is the priority position ahead of the opening of the January transfer window? And before before I read out the, the poll results, Finn, um, the, the three options we had was a striker, a right wing back, centre back um, or other. What would you have gone for? What, what do you believe would be the priority um, with, with January in mind?
4: I think the priority there is still striker. We have got the depth at centre-back in my mind. Whilst we have been getting a lot of injuries, we do have those options to bring in rotate through. Um, This right wing-back, I guess, Kaboré has been played well recently as well. When he's played, he's he's done well. And then Doherty can play that side and we've got options there. It is just that striker position. We need someone who's going to consistently finish the chances that we're getting and whether that is bio at the moment or not, um, yeah, I think that's for me. That's where we need to improve and find someone who's maybe not going to be involved in the build-up play, but will just put the ball in the back of the net when they need to.
3: Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. I'll, I'll go through the results. Striker won the poll with forty-four percent. We had twenty-one percent at right wing back and thirty-three percent um, at, at centre back. And I, I do share um, what you're saying about the centre back position where you look at it and you look at, at um i guess the options that are available and you you would perhaps suggest that that we could do with adding another center back but then you consider the injury list the the proximity of those that are currently injured to to returning and i think we are well stacked um i think it is something that's been echoed and something we haven't really been managed to to fulfill last few windows but a left-sided left-footed um, central defender um they're like gold dust they they're very very difficult to find and especially when you you're applying it to the context of being premier league ready um i think naturally being a left-footed center back ups your ups your value um and i think that's something a lot of clubs have found in premier league it's been quite difficult to to fill that but ultimately i wouldn't say that's the priority um i think we've got enough numbers i think we've got seven. Seven players that that can play at centre back, um, and that's before you before you even consider Dan Potts, who can also can also operate there. So definitely, definitely a position that I could see us bolstering, but at the same time, I don't think it's the priority. I think a striker that provides a different kind of service to to Adebay or Morris would be would be ideal for a team that see a lot of joy on the counter attack, and I know a lot of that comes through through fast and dynamic play um, down the wings, but but perhaps somebody a little bit more mobile, a little bit quicker um, that, that can play centrally. Might be the, the point of focus, maybe somebody that drops deeper to link the play. I'm not too sure in, in terms of profile, but I think, yeah, I'd have to agree with, with the eventual outcome of the poll. Striker has to win it. For, for me, um, again, a right wing back, I could see happening, a permanent option, a permanent right wing back, but um, yeah i think that the difficulty in the january transfer window is often price um so i can't see us making too many permanent additions um if we if we do go that way it's going to be it's going to be a crazy month to see to, to see what happens to see what kind of fees we are um that, that we eventually pay out um i imagine and i think most luton fans imagine it's not going to be too hefty of a month on on the financial side of things but there are positions to be strengthened I think that's probably the main message from that so to run through that poll again we had 44% thinking that the striker position is the priority we had 21% right wing back centre back was 33% 2% went for other Now, we mentioned before that we weren't going to mention too much about Ross Barkley because we've got a poll about him. That poll was, does Ross Barkley have a genuine chance of making England's squad for Euro 2024? Um, And I'll come to you first, Finn, before I reveal the outcome of the poll. Do you think Ross Barkley has a chance?
4: I mean, I don't see why he shouldn't have a chance with some of the other players being called up in central midfield. Whether he, whether he does get picked or not is a different question. Whether Southgate is actually paying attention to Ross Barkley at Luton, that's another question. Um, I think with the way he's playing and the way he controls the games in that position, it's something that England are crying out for, is someone to play next to Declan Rice and really dictate play. And I think it's a no-brainer for me to pick him for England, get him in that midfield, let him play slightly deeper than he's played for England in the past and really let him do what he's been doing for Luton in... I guess he'd have more of the time, more time on the ball for England, and he'd have players in positions that are gonna score the goals and gonna score the chances he's creating as well. So I think he could really flourish in an England team, especially when, yeah, as I mentioned before, you've got Declan Rice next to you. He's used to having one other player next to him with Nakamba or Lukonga or Pelly. So I think he could flourish, and I think he should be in there over the likes of Jordan Henderson playing out in Saudi Arabia or Calvin Phillips, who can't get in the team at Man City. And I don't think we'll ever get in the team at Man City under Pep. He just doesn't seem to be his sort of player for whatever reason. So surely you want someone who's playing regular football, playing very well and playing week in, week out. So whether that's Ross Barkley or someone else, for me, it feels like a no-brainer.
3: Yeah, it's it's very close, by the way, the the poll here. We had 49% yes, 51% no, very very close um very hard to split it there yeah i'm i'm probably like the poll a little bit on the fence i think what ross barkley offers fantastic service and you think what euros is is still 6 months away at this time 6 7 months away um i think that the scope for him to continue to develop at luton is he, massive i don't think we're seeing the very best of him which is you know, a frightening prospect, the fact that that he's probably got an even higher ceiling to, to hit. Um yeah, but then I do think of the the there's a number of players that you'd probably have ahead of him, not not saying because of the standard, but you just think of players that have been receiving England call ups before. Um Jordan Henderson, um, you mentioned there, Calvin Phillips, two players that, you know if form was going to dictate who would, who would, um, go, it would be Barkley, but, but we know with Southgate, he's created and sort of created this group of players. You, you probably throw Harry Maguire in there as well, that not, not necessarily always performing at club level, but, but he, he trusts them. And, you know, if a manager trusts you, you, you got to back that you got to understand why, um, yeah i think ross Barkley. i think he's got a very good chance i do i think he's got a very good chance to continue proving himself at luton um the fact that he's you know almost single-handedly revolutionized how we how we build up attacks um you you think of what he did in in the build-up to the liverpool goal the build-up in the man city goal um how he's performed against the very best has to be an indication that, that he can do it against the biggest teams on the world stage as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's a bit of a cop-out answer. It's a bit of an on-the-fence answer um, because I genuinely think he can. But, but at the same time, there's six months, six, seven months left to go. If he continues progressing in the way he does, I, I think that Gareth Southgate has to take notice um, and if Gareth Southgate starts turning up at, at Kenilworth Road, I don't think it's just going to be Ross Barkley. he will be looking at, I think Alfie Doughty too might have might have somewhat of a chance given the, the left back situation at, uh, within England. Um, and then that yeah, could we be talking about two Luton players representing England? Um, that'd be unbelievable, unbelievable, and probably a a sign. Um, that we'd done well during the second half of the season. So, yeah, let's hope that we're talking about two Luton players going to at going to, um, the, uh, the World Cup, the Euros representing England. Um, but we
4: don't want them grabbing the headlines too much because then people might come in for them. So it's a real balancing act. Can they play really well and get into that squad without every team in the Premier League deciding, oh, we really would quite like an attacking left-back and then come in with Ralph Fidelity, because he's going to be one of the harder players to hold on to anyway. So it's a real balance act. But yeah, I agree with you completely there.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I mentioned sort of the England left back situation. You probably apply that to the left back situation within the, the top six clubs as well. There's not too many performing at the, the, the highest level. You, you think of Manchester United, Luke Shaw, decent, but, but you know, Someone like Alfie younger, a um, bit more attacking, a bit more dynamic. Um, you, you think of other clubs as well. Um, Arsenal with Zenchenko, Zinchenko sometimes playing in midfield. Um, you know, the potential there. Um, yeah, You look at a lot of the top clubs, like uh, Chelsea as well. They played Chilwell left mid. Um, they've played Colwell at left back a few times as well. Uh, so it's not a nailed nailed on
4: position for them. But even There's the likes of Man City. A... Man City plays centre-backs at left-back all the yeah. time because they don't yeah. have that specific left-back. I mean, the centre-backs they play at left-back can do an unbelievable job there. But, yeah, I mean, it's a far, it's a far cry, but you could see an Alfie D'Arte absolutely thriving in a team where they have so much possession and he's just constantly allowed to get forward. And imagine him whipping crosses into Erling Haaland.
3: A frightening prospect. A very frightening prospect. Let's move on to pole three. How many points do you expect to pick up in the last four games of 2023? And to run through those games is Bournemouth away, Newcastle at home, then Sheffield United away on Boxing Day. And then we finish 2023 with the visit of Chelsea. Uh, 12 points to to potentially be taken in those four games. But what do you think, Finn? What do you think?
4: I mean, realistically, I think we can, We, I mean, we need to get, probably nine points from those games in terms of have staying competitive and staying in in a position where we can get out of the relegation zone. That's what I think that's what we really need. But with Sheffield United have also seemed to have turned a corner under Dean Smith. So whether we can get a win there, I'd like to think we can, but I think that could be when we end up drawing. Bournemouth have really turned a corner recently. They've just beaten Man United, put three past Man United. So I don't know. It's a difficult one. I think realistically we can get We'll get six points from those from those games, but we need more. I think, in my opinion, the home games are going to be massive. It's a really good time to be playing Chelsea and Newcastle. I would say Newcastle absolutely, absolutely torn apart by injuries, and then Chelsea looking so inconsistent. So, I think that right now could not be a better time to be playing them.
3: Yeah, I I completely agree. So the the four answers we gave out were zero to two points. Which eight percent went for three to six points, with, which where the vast majority went. That was sixty six percent, and then seven to nine we had twenty one percent. Ten plus was five percent, and yeah, you look at the situation as it is. Bournemouth have, have performed really well of late, but but you know by no means are world beaters, and I think given the week we've just had um we we can go into that game with confidence not necessarily saying we're we're favorites and we should go and win that game but i think that we'll have a lot more confidence than if we were battered by, by both arsenal and man city um you look at newcastle yeah a very very good time to play them i think they've only won once away from home all season i don't know how accurate that is but i know they've definitely had their troubles Away from home, and as we alluded to earlier, they've got a real deep injury crisis at the moment. Boxing Day, at Sheffield United. Yep, I think they've turned somewhat of a corner under Wilder, but I don't necessarily think that they've gone, to, you know, to a to a whole higher level because of it. Um, I think probably new man- manager manager bounces settled in. I still think that that we are the better side. Um, and I, I do think that, that we can go there with, with confidence that we can take all three points. And then Chelsea, very, very inconsistent. And I think we feel a little bit hard done by that we haven't picked up a, a win against any of the sort of traditional top six or the traditional big sides um, after performing really, really well. So I think that's a great opportunity to you know cap off playing some of the, the biggest sides in the Premier League. Um, and actually, genuinely getting something. So, uh, yeah, I look at that game and think we can do that. Um, yeah, I think if I was voting, I would have gone seven to nine. I think I would have taken somewhat of an optimistic stance. I think we. I think. I think seven's very achievable. Um, and and you know, you don't look at those games and you're not particularly frightened by them. And I think the fact that we competed so well against Arsenal and City. Makes me look at the fixture list with a different set of eyes, um, but yeah, I guess when it all comes to it, if we if we struggle to beat Bournemouth, then you know the whole complexion changes. So yeah, I would have gone seven to nine, but I also very close to to going three to six. It's going to be really interesting to see how we end up how we end this this calendar year because. Going into the new year, if we're, say, six, seven points behind the, the relegation pack, then, you know, it's going to be very difficult for us to get ourselves to, to claw ourselves back in contention of staying up. But ultimately, it's a good opportunity to, to claw back some of those points. Um, so, yeah, all to play for. Um, a very busy, festive period coming up and then into the new year as well. I think Burnley away is the first one. So, again, um, uh, you have to consider that a winnable fixture, a fixture that that you know we can deal a blow to their survival hopes, and that they could do the same to us. So a massive game, um, in in the complex of things. Finn, in in terms of the games that were mentioned there, what one are you looking forward to the most?
4: I think in terms of the teams coming to Kettleworth Road, for me it's Newcastle. So we've seen all the other. Once we get to Newcastle, we'll have seen all the other teams come to. Ke- or all the other teams will have either played them home or, or away, bar Sheffield United at that point. And I think they're the last of the big, really big sides to come to Kenilworth Road or for us to go to them. So yeah, seeing them come to us, I mean, Graham Jones will be back at Kenilworth Road. He'll be in the Newcastle um, coaching staff. And hopefully their fans bring some noise to the away end, which uh, in the Premier League, we've not really seen in that many teams coming into the away end. It's been Quite subdued, but generally they seem to have good noise anywhere they go. So, but I think it's a good time to play them, and I'm quite excited about playing Chelsea and Newcastle. And I actually think we could get results against both of them. I don't think it's that far fetched to say that's possibilities at the moment.
3: I'd definitely be in agreement there. I cannot wait for for Newcastle to come to kettleworth Road. Not not only because they are a, a you know respected and a, a good set of fans, but you look at that game and the difficulties they've had on the road, and you you genuinely believe that we can get something or not even something. We we genuinely look at that game and think, you know, Rob Edwards will be targeting that as a winnable fixture, Um, which, you know, at the start of the season, would we, would we be looking at that game and and thinking that, um, yeah, who knows? But that is it for today. Big thank you, Finn, for coming on. And a big thank you to everybody watching and listening back home. We'll be back during the week with a warm of preview. Um, and then it all gets a little bit crazy as, as the uh, festive period begins and, and the games come thick and fast. As we know, uh, we'll keep you posted when we do intend to upload. But until next time, it is goodbye from us.